Today's episode is brought to you by Dockside Lodges. Beautiful Door County two-bedroom cottages available to rent right on beautiful Lake Michigan. Spend your day on the gorgeous private beach in sand just steps away from your door or take in all of the food, wine, and fun in Door County just a few miles away. The answer and I spend many a weekend at these beautiful cabins. Can't say enough about the location, the owners. It is such an enjoyable experience. We were actually just there last week. Strongly suggest that you check out uh, docsidelodges.com. We'll also post the link in the show notes. Thank you to Tim and Amber for being such wonderful friends and having such a beautiful property. Hi, true crime family. I'm K Mac. And I'm the answer. And this is Bad Human. Welcome, friends and true crime family to Bad Human, a true crime podcast where we discuss those humans who reside at the bottom of the morality bell curve. Before we get started today, just a few housekeeping items. First, we would like to read another review. Thank you to everyone who's taken the time to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, send us a message through Instagram, send us an email. We absolutely love it, and it, it keeps us going. It's a positive light in our day. It's always fun to hear what you all think of the program. That's right. Today's review comes from L. Sheldon 13, the true crime podcast I've been waiting for. Well, thank you. About time, huh? Finally found it. This is a true crime podcast I've been waiting for. The topics are well-researched, and the delivery is amazing. I love the commentary between the two hosts and the keen sense of giving the information needed to follow the story. I even love that K-Mac drops F-bombs. Yeah, that's fair. I do have a problem with that. No, it's not a problem. But also avoids overtelling gruesome details. L. Sheldon 13, thank you for taking the time. Send us a message through Instagram. We'll connect and make sure that you get your own bad human swag. Flam, 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 flam. Speaking of swag... Oh boy. The merch store is open. We're very excited. We understand that there's probably two people in the world who want to spend money on their own bad human merch. But if you are interested, the link is in our bio. We'll also put it in the show notes. Anything that you can do to support. Thank you for those that have placed orders. We get that we're just getting started. We have a lot to learn and, and still need to earn our foot here in the podcast, a true crime sector, but appreciate uh, all of you taking the time to at least look at the store. Yeah, at least take a gander. Step one, you took the clickbait. Mm-hmm. Today's case is a suggestion from a listener who goes by The Monocle on Instagram. Ooh, The Monocle. Very excited. We've been trying to have a healthy balance of cases that are from the U.S., but then also really excited that we have a lot of international listeners and love being able to bring cases to you all from different areas of the earth. Ooh, so do we have one from across the pond? Today, we are going to Australia. Okay, the other way. <laughs> this case is still an active investigation. However, okay. I think they're getting close to a resolution. We'll make sure at the end to give you an update real time as of this morning, I checked to see if there'd been any progress. Oh, I was just going to say watch right as we release it. They figure it all out. This is going to be a tough one to listen to. There isn't a lot of detail regarding 
the gruesome nature of the crime, but not that any crime is ever easy to hear. But the victim in this case seems like just a phenomenally sweet, beautiful human being who was taken from this earth far too early. Toya Jade Cordingly was born June 14th in Carnes, Queensland, along Australia's northeastern, northeastern coast. This region is an area known for its agricultural output, vast natural resources, beautiful scenery, the pictures that I saw while looking at this case, absolutely stunning, home to dozens of national parks and gorgeous beaches that have a very uh, heavy tourist footprint. Lovely. Toya lived in the suburb of Wari, I believe is how you say it, which is in Carnes. Just a little geography census lesson. That's the fifth most populous city in all of Queensland and 14th across uh, Australia. So decent sized place that she was living. Toya's parents, Troy and Vanessa, would separate when she was young and both would remarry. Her father would remarry a woman named Mary and her mother, Vanessa, would remarry to Darren. And Vanessa and Darren would have two additional children, Jack and Lena, which would give Toya a new brother and sister. Okay. Toya reportedly enjoyed having bonus parents as she said it gave her more family to love. Like, can you already tell? Mm. This is a beautiful soul. Yeah, she's a sweetie. Toya was described by everyone that knew her as a loving and carefree spirit who was always ready for whatever new adventures life threw at her. I can tell you this from all the photographs that I've seen of her. Just this beautiful radiating smile. You know how some people, you can look at a picture of them and you can tell they just have a zest for life? She had that. She just, she radiated this energy. Toya had been dating a young man named Marco uh, for more than two years. And both Marco and Toya were avid animal lovers and had several dogs and snakes. The dogs I can get on board with, the snakes. Yeah, you know. They creep me the fuck out. Well, yeah, it would be the feeding time that I'm sure you wouldn't like. Well, I read a story once where a woman got eaten by a boa constrictor. She had a pet boa constrictor. And she well, would that's snuggle with it at night. That's a little too much. And the story, like, the story Gardner said, snake is perfect. The story said that she thought it was, she would tell friends how at night the snake would line up, like, next to it. Like, they'd lay next to each other and how it was so cute. And somebody who was, like, an animal planet watcher was like, oh, my God, that, that means it's sizing her up. Yeah. <laughs> and sure as shit. That dinner bell rang one day and mm -hmm. Felicia was out. At the time of her death, Toya worked at a pharmacy in Carnes, but again, her real passion in life was animals. Before working at the pharmacy, Toya had worked at a place called Paws and Claws Refuge and Boarding, which was so adorable, and she was a kennel attendant. Her employer at the boarding center described her as the most beautiful, loving soul, and later told reporters at the Carnes Post even after leaving Paws and Claws, Toya would continue to volunteer with animals when she wasn't spending time with her own. As I stated earlier, between her and her boyfriend, um, they had several dogs. She took care of the dogs constantly, took them everywhere, especially to the beach. Her social media page was littered with pictures of her and the dogs relaxing again on the beach and the water. Animals would remain a dominant presence in Toya's life with her last post from social media including an image that read, no matter how talented, rich, or intelligent you are, how you treat animals tells me all I need to know about you. Like, what a beautiful person. Mm -hmm. 
And I agree with that. It's how you treat animals. And uh, if you put your cart away, you know how I feel yeah. about people. That yeah, their you got to put your shopping cart away or you are legit. I will police your person. ass in the parking lot, come up behind you and tell you what I think about you. I just put the cart in, fr- in front of their car so they can't leave. In summary, Toya was described as a bright and easygoing person with a sunny smile, beautiful, happy, heart of gold. Again, like the word sunny disposition, free spirit, wouldn't hurt a fly. On Sunday, October 21st, sometime in the morning, Toya worked at the Bar Street Whole Life Pharmacy and Health Food Store where her job was in the suburb of Carnes. Afterward, CCTV would catch her visiting Rusty's Market closer to the waterfront between noon and 1 p.m., CCTV would capture her walking into the market and back out. After visiting the markets after work, Toya is believed to have returned home before announcing her intention to visit Wangetti Beach, which is about 38 kilometers, 23 miles. There those we go. Of, those of us that do not speak the metric system. Like uh, the rest of the world. <laughs> north of Carnes, roughly halfway between um, it and Port Douglas. I looked at the map. These cities probably don't mean a lot to people not from Australia, but for those of you who are listening, you're like, just oh, I know where that specific, is. Yeah. It's like when people talk about the U.S. and people internationally are like, mm-hmm. okay, what the fuck's New Jersey? New Jersey. Toya had taken her boyfriend's dog, Indy, with her to the beach. She again would go there. It was a place for her to relax and her dog could run free. Hours would begin to pass and Toya failed to return home. This would cause her boyfriend, Marco, to be alarmed, and he reached out to Toya's friends and family to try to track down where she was. As the sun began to set, Toya's family would begin attempting to locate her, sharing photographs of her on social media and pleading for anyone that had seen her to reach out. Finally, around 9 p.m. that evening, her family reported her missing to local authorities and would plan to set out early in the morning hours to find her. Police decided around 930 to go out and take an initial look, but it was so dark and it was a pretty remote area that they had to call off the search until the next morning. How horrible for the family to have to spend the night. Not knowing. And her mom in the interviews and her mom was a pretty, she's a pretty cool chick too. She has like the very boho, like hippie look. And she even said that there's just a connection that you have with your children. And she knew something bad had happened and they had to wait all evening. Early the following morning, Toya's family and close friends broke into search parties, splitting up areas in the region for them to check out uh, to try to locate the missing 24-year-old. A group of her loved ones would arrive at Wangetti Beach that morning, the location she'd been planning to visit the prior afternoon, using flashlights and cell phone lights to illuminate their way. It was here at Wangetti Beach that a couple of discoveries that were pretty critical to the case would be made. First came the discovery of Toya's vehicle, a blue 2009 Mitsubishi Lancer, which was found parked near the southern entrance to the beach. Ooh, a Lancer. So this confirms that she made it to the beach. So it confirms she made it to the beach. It also, I think, maybe gives a bit of a geographic area. Of where she could possibly To start to be. look at. Also extremely concerning that you have found the vehicle. But not her. No Toya. This is really sad, too. A short while later, the dog, Indy, that Toya had been walking was found by Toya's mom, Vanessa. I had an anxiety attack until I read the next sentence that said the dog was alive. (laughs) I I, I thought it was going to get dark. It does get dark, but I thought we were going to just, it was going to get real dark fast. 
the dog Indy was tied up to a tree near the southern part of the beach and was reportedly tied up so tight it could not sit down, meaning it had likely been stuck in an uncomfortable position for hours. Aww. Thankfully, the dog was unharmed, but this presented a pretty dire situation for the, the loved ones. So now you have the abandoned vehicle, no sight of Toya. You have the dog that's tied up. Toya's mother, Vanessa, ended up returning to her vehicle because her phone had died, but her father, Troy, continued leading the search efforts, desperately attempting to track down his child. And this was his only child. So that's her, her dad. Darren was her stepdad. Mm-hmm. At around 7.45 a.m., about 800 meters away from where her car had been parked, near the southern entrance of the park, not too far away from where the dog had been tied to the tree, the body of Toya accordingly would be discovered by her father. Police would later note that the body would have been easily noticed on the quiet stretch of the beach where she had been left, which was not a highly frequented area by tourists or visitors. So it sounded like it was more of a spot that the locals knew about, yeah. not so much a tourist attraction. This was an area of the beach between the foreshore and the start of the bushland, uh, which is uh, where the body was partially found buried in sand dunes. Investigators never released specific details about the cause of death. They just stated that Toya, um, whose body was found without any of her clothing or belongings, had sustained visible violent injuries before her death. Unlike the U.S., where we love to share a good autopsy report, yeah. they were very protective of the information. Hmm. Her mom was advised not to read the autopsy, but read it anyways. And she said she had to do that for closure to understand yeah. what her daughter had to go through. Very brave woman. I, I don't know how you could stomach that. They also wouldn't let her mom see the body. She was, um, they did share, she was stabbed a significant amount of times. But again, they didn't go into a lot of graphic detail. Graphic detail of what? Yeah. The investigation begins, and this is kind of a head scratcher. First thought is it has to be someone that she knew. This happened in broad daylight. Again, not a high traffic area of the beach, but still, the, and we'll get to it, they surmise it happened around 2 p.m.-ish. So you're still, I mean, broad daylight, even in, in a, a not very popular area. That only the locals apparently know about. Which made everyone extremely uncomfortable. You're, I mean, there were people interviewed and they <laughs> stated... You're sitting at a bar and you look to the left of you like, is this person a fucking killer? Like, yeah. because they assumed that it was a local, someone who knew the victim. Some then started to think, was it a random attack? Was someone just sitting there, a predator waiting for someone in this more desolate region of the beach to go walking? Um, people questioned why didn't they kill the dog? I found this interesting that they didn't kill the dog because most yeah. murderers especially serial killers, you know what the trifecta is, Mm -hmm. arson, bedwetting, animal cruelty, animal cruelty. It was interesting to me that he took the time to tie up the dog thinking back and we'll get to some theories at the end. Potentially he tied, I don't know. Like I've like pondered through this. Like what, what was the, the progression of the crime? How did he get to her without the dog attacking? Then he tied up the dog, but he didn't kill the dog, but he killed her. So people were kind of perplexed by this The dog could maybe know the person too. Yeah, people were very perplexed by it. There was a bit of some shady activity on some of these beaches. I didn't uh, go into it a lot of detail, but there were some people who were interviewed and said that there were some, um, some nasty fellas that would 
get naked on the beach and masturbate next to women. Um, they would stalk women. So there was some shady shit that went on. I mean, I feel like that's every country. I don't feel yeah. like we're being specific to yeah. Australia here. Sometimes you want to be an Antonio Brown. Yeah. Well, yeah. Where he needs to keep that shit in his pants. But again, I don't think that's specific to Australian beaches. No. <laughs> like, there's some shit that goes down here in the U.S. I mean, my God, sometimes on the highway, you can look <laughs> look over and someone's got their wiener ripped out. Yeah. That's never happened that. to me personally, <laughs> but I'm just saying. Again, they were shocked and trying to figure out how her body had been buried in such a shallow grave next to the water in broad daylight. How did nobody see this? The investigation into her murder was led by the Queensland police. They were also aided by the state emergency services early on as they began a thorough examination of the area surrounding the crime scene. They shut down the beach for several days. Again, they would eventually get to one suspect um, about six months into the investigation, but there was a lot of preliminary work to do. More than 100 people would contribute to the official search, which carefully combed through every inch of the beach near Toya's body, where she'd been found. They also used boats to check the water for any of her belongings, as well as drones to search from above. It, drones have been such a great addition to crime scene investigation. Having that additional, and not having to send like a helicopter up, yeah. to being able to just have a drone, if you know how to fly one. Yeah, you don't want to my, like someone brother you know. kellen my, my brother-in-law got like a 500 hundred dollar drone for christmas two years ago hadn't even flown it and my brother kellen was like oh let me show you show how to you do how this it's done take it for a spin <laughs> had no idea what the fuck he was doing hit that accelerator on the remote and the thing shot up <sighs> into a tree and like for days after we could see it like blinking <laughs> but we couldn't get to it it was so sad it was like watching something die like he just one day just didn't blink anymore yeah was... you're like oh Sending no more codes. Wally is dead. Authorities would use uh, forensic dogs to try to track down various scents uh, from the crime scene. Again, they had they had a lot of support and people come in to help with this. They get again would continue to search the water. None of her belongings were found near her. Her wallet, keys, phone, all missing. Later, a spokesperson for the police department would admit that bits and pieces had been found. It's still unknown, though, what all was able to be recovered. Police conducted door-to-door -door canvassing of the area, taking DNA swabs from residents on a volunteer basis so they could eliminate suspects through uh, potential forensic testing. This indicated to people, while it wasn't shared, that the killer had potentially left behind some sort of physical evidence or DNA evidence. Again, they kept this very close to the vest in regards to the autopsy, the crime scene, but there were some nuggets that people put together a little bit here, right? Um, early on, police officials announced they were treating the murder of Toya as a sexually related murder, indicating the culprit had committed the crime under the pretext of sexual gratification. I mentioned this earlier, and one question that really had investigators struggling to answer was how the dog that Toya had with her this is a larger dog. He was a German Shepherd, Great Dane, Mastiff mix. This is, yeah. Mm. Our, our little 50-pound lab is like, nope, fuck this. I'm out. <laughs> that dog could She's kick bouncing. my ass. <laughs> She's bouncing. Um, so they really, they were trying to understand how this person had taken this massive animal, tied them up, and dogs are extremely protective of their owner. They, they, they just didn't, they couldn't put it together. Friends did say that it wasn't unusual, though, for this dog to remain calm, having been remarkably well-trained to be around strangers. 
unlike our dog who has zero training, our dog is an asshole. I love her, but she has no discipline. I, I fucked that up when I got her. Right from the get-go. She eats table food, barks at children who are enjoying life, has absolutely no boundaries. I love her, but she's an asshole. It sounds like Indy was the opposite of Charlotte. Absolutely. Indy the dog. Police would begin tracing Toya's last known whereabouts in the hopes of maybe finding out where she'd encountered her killer. Like we said earlier, they used CCTV to discover that Toya had visited Rusty's Market after her shift earlier in the morning between noon and one before heading to the beach an hour or so later. Officials would release uh, footage of Toya at the market in the hopes of finding anyone that had seen her or interacted with her early that afternoon. However, they would caution that she may have changed clothes between visiting the market and going to the beach. Okay. Which would make sense. Eventually, police officials would put out a request for dash cam footage along Captain Cook Highway, which stretches from Smithfield and Port Douglas. In particular, they were looking for any footage that was recorded between noon and 7 p.m. on the day of the murder, October 21st, 2018. They would also ask locals familiar with Wangetti Beach to reach out, including those that had been at the beach that Sunday, especially those that had been at or near the northern and southern car parks where they had found her vehicle and poor Indy tied up. After obtaining footage and several dash cams, Authorities would then ask for additional footage from people um, that had been in the area. I always say this, even if you were taking a video of yourself, a selfie, you may think there's nothing in the footage or in your picture that could help a case, but it could. It could Mm. be one piece of a puzzle. Oh, yeah. Every little thing counts. They also asked for anyone to come forward if they had seen Toya or knew of any males that had been in the area that had been harassing women or making them uncomfortable in the past. Well, like you said, it's been shady, so that wouldn't limit (laughs) to just a few. Yeah. It was unknown um, if the dog had been tied up before or after the attack, or maybe just didn't view the killer as a threat. Um, Again, police really, this came up in all the articles and the specials that I watched. Mm Mm-hmm. This is still one thing police just have not been able to crack the sequence of. And it's odd to me, too. I'm very curious. Police would carry out with the investigation they had dubbed Operation uh, Quebec Clarify. Okay. I think it's Quebec. Quebec or Quebec? Apologies to... Well, it's Australian, so it's how they would pronounce it, not exactly. I know. I just feel terrible butchering these words. Hopefully... As as uh, you should. Which... (laughs) Welcome to Bad Human. I'm K-Mac, and that's it. Yeah, okay, whatever. I'm going to be over here with my hands in my pants. <laughs> they would begin urging witnesses to come forward. They specifically asked anyone who'd witnessed against suspicious behavior in or around Lake Placid um, between 4 and 5 p.m. So I think now they're starting to put a time together of when the crime happened and then when the potential assailant could have been trying to run. Um, They asked again for women to come forward who'd been approached or harassed. Um, This included not only women that had been harassed or made to feel uncomfortable, but, you know, also men too, right? I mean, men can be a victim of harassment just as much as as women can. And, well, they can feel uncomfortable about seeing what a guy is doing to a woman as well. So they could come forward with that as well. Exactly. There, um, There were specific locations singled out that weren't at the time shared why the police were asking for people who had been in these areas. But it's believed that the items of interest, perhaps some of Toya's belongings, 
have been found near Lake Placid or uh, Caravanica, I think is how you say it. Again, people were just making assumptions. The reason why police had started to hone in on certain places at certain times is because there was different items and evidence that had been found. Multiple witnesses from the region would come forward with reports of um, odd people, vagrants that had committed acts of sexual indecency along the beach. This was not limited only to nudity and aggressive sexual harassment, but other deviant behavior that included drug use. However, it is unknown if any of these reports were relevant to the case. In the days and weeks after Toya's murder, Queensland police officials would state they had received hundreds of tips from people in the region, many of whom had called local crime stoppers with descriptions of men they had seen in the area around Wangetti Beach. One such witness described seeing two men leaving the beach the same afternoon that Toya was murdered, who appeared to be panicked and attempting to flee. However, they were cleared. I was going to say, that could make sense. You could have one taking care of the dog while the other's committing the crime yeah that's a good point i never thought about because i know where the case is now mm-hmm. and it's focusing on one person but that's true it could have maybe initially been thought to be a two-person crime yeah. hmm. good job answer i guess we will keep you around for another episode one more one more for the road towards the end of november 2018 police would release video of approximately 70 vehicles that had been driving on cook highway between 5.02 and 5.07 on the day of the murder. Again, a very specific time leads me to believe they had some information. These vehicles had yet to be identified by police. While almost all of the vehicles are presumed to have been ID'd in the years since this public release, there remains an interesting point of evidence because it seems to fit a pattern. Just a couple of weeks after police made this plea to the public, it would come to light they were narrowing in again on one, sense, one suspect who had been in Carnes on the day of Toya's murder and seemed to have fled Australia a day later. Hmm. Our suspect is, I'm going to say this wrong, and I actually don't really give a shit because I think he did it. <laughs> Raj Rajwinder Singh was an Indian national who had moved to Queensland with his family years before Toya's murder. Singh, who spoke multiple languages, was a respected husband and father of three, who had worked as a geriatric nurse at a hospital in, I think it's Innisfail, which is about 90 kilometers south of Carnes for several years. He had, again, years before, moved his family and kids to Queensland. Everything I read, people who worked with him said he was a pretty stand-up guy in their opinion, which is even more terrifying because we see this all the time, where these horrible human beings somehow integrate into society. Everyone thinks they're a stand-up person. Again, his wife, he had kids. None of them had anything bad to say until we got closer to the murder. It was reported by numerous outlets that in December of 2018, he had started to exhibit strange behaviors before the murder. So in December, people came forward about the murder that happened in October, saying that right before the time of Toya's murder, he had been acting strange, growing withdrawn and depressed, even taking time off work for long durations Uh, for no discernible reason. Hmm. According to articles from the Courier Mail, the Carnes Post, and uh, the Carnes Post, the Australian police were able to triangulate security and dash cam footage with a location that Toya's cell phone had been at the time. This location, again, cell phone footage, Mm -hmm. or cell phone pinging. People, if you're going to commit a fucking crime, buy a burner phone, 
buy it months in advance because they're going to look at, at cameras at CCTV. Stop giving them ideas. It's your local Walmart to see who <laughs> bought a freaking burner phone. Buy that shit. Keep it for months. And do not take your actual phone with you. In this case, I'm glad this this gentleman did because it, it's helped us identify him. He's also, I should say, innocent until proven guilty. I know. I, I don't want a defamation case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he did it, I think. I was going to say, because your eyes rolled pretty hard. I'm sure they could hear it out there. Here's what I will say, though, is the Australian police have not shared a lot of information so I'm assuming based on what we're going to share now that they have a lot of evidence that leads to him that isn't just circumstantial. So I'm putting some faith in the Australian police system. There we go. That what they haven't shared, I have a feeling they probably have. Um, again, like I had said, according to the articles in the Carnes Post, the police were able to triangulate security and dash cam footage uh, using Toya's cell phone to match it where... Get your feet off the fucking... That's gross. The location matched up to where Singh's vehicle had been traveling, which by the look of things, his driving had been pretty erratic. Uh, this was right after her murder. Hmm. He was driving like an Illinois driver. Yeah, driving <laughs> like a fib. Wit- witnesses would reportedly come forward and describe Singh again as acting suspicious even up to the hours after Toya's murder. And according to a report in The Australian, he was seen covered with mysterious scratches and bite marks that evening. Family members of Singh, who lived in Innisfail, reported that he had left town on October 21st, 2018, the day of Toya's murder. Earlier that day, he had visited Carnes before frantically returning and purchasing a plane ticket. He flew to Sydney that evening, spending the next several hours with his sister there, before getting on a flight heading towards his home um, in, I think it's, Am Armstar, Amstar, I'm sorry, in India on the 22nd. Oh, really? All the way back to India, he wants. And he hadn't been home, they said, in since he moved. And then randomly, the day that Toy is murdered, he leaves his wife and three kids behind, bounces, flies to Sydney to get that connection, hangs out with his sister, and then pieces the fuck out and goes back to India. Hmm. Seems a little sketch to me. And by the way, one of the kids, his three kids, was a newborn. Not that oh. it's okay to leave any of your children yeah. or wife behind, yeah, to be clear. On. I'm not come advocating on. for that. Although maybe in the long run, it would be better for them not to have him in their life. That's I don't true. Know. But again, it was really odd um, that he left to go uh, flee the country. And he had contacted family members he hadn't talked to in years in India. Similarly, <laughs> hey, ever- I'm back in town for the first time in 30 years. Want to... Hang out. I'm going to need a place to stay and some cash and a burner phone. And don't worry, I didn't do anything. Yeah. (laughs) They said after this date to the 22nd when he flew back to India, he had not used any of his debit or credit cards since. In November 2019, just it was the close to the first anniversary of Toya's murder. Indian authorities would tell reporters they had not yet received an extradition request for Singh who again was rumored to have flown back to his home country to hide from his consequences. I was very interested in the extradition process, and we'll get to that in a little bit because it's come up in a few of the cases that we've done recently, especially when you have international or yep. you know crossing uh, country, country lines. But apparently it's quite the process, so I'm thinking that the Sydney police had begun working on the extradition process. But as of November, so just a year after the anniversary of her passing, the uh, Indian authorities had said that they had not yet received a request for extradition. 
A formal extradition request would allow Indian authorities to begin searching for Singh in India, who again was believed to have returned to his, uh, the area his family came from, a region near the Pakistani border, um, close to uh, New Delhi or Delhi. I don't know how you say it. Some people, it's tomato, tomato. Mm-hmm. Where he was believed I've to have taken shelter in a Sikh temple. Until such a formal extradition request is made, there isn't really much that the Indian authorities can do. Okay. But they kind of have tabs on where he is. I think they can kind of start tracking him. Again, they have a little surveillance. They at least had intel that it sounds like he had at some point gone to a Sikh temple. I don't, they don't know where he is though. Like they don't have anybody watching him because we'll get to that here at the end. The same month, it was reported by Australia's Nine News that Queensland police had finalized a comprehensive brief of evidence recommending Singh's arrest. This brief had, um, spent months having to navigate through the Australia, uh, Australian judicial system, slowly working its way across desks of state prosecutors, the federal attorney, um, the attorney general. There's probably a lot of checkboxes I'm going to guess that you have to get sign off on to go to another country and say, we're going to need you to send this dude back because we're going to potentially get him for murder. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of ass covering yeah. is going on. Months later, it was reported, and I get it, that Toya's family was beginning to grow extremely frustrated. Again, we're a year past at this point. You know, I mean, she was, she was murdered in October of 2018. Finally, in February of 2021, roughly two and a half years after Toya's murder, an extradition request was finalized. So it made its Ooh. way through the Australian um, judicial system. And there was a, they were finalizing, um, you know, all the paperwork to get this long overdue extradition order over to Indian authorities. I said this earlier. I thought this was really interesting because like the last case we covered extradition, there is typically a treaty between two countries to extradite a person charged with or found guilty of an extraditable offense. So most countries, it makes it easier if you already have an extradition treaty with a country. That's why you see a lot of people that are Ponzi schemers that specifically go to countries where the U.S. does not have an extradition treaty with. Whether someone can be extradited depends on the laws of the country involved. There are typically four questions that must be addressed before extradition can occur. So question one is, has the foreign government provided at least probable cause evidence that the fugitive committed the crime? This is why I think it probably took a while for the Australian authorities to author all the necessary information to prove that, um, that this person, that they've done their due diligence. Is the crime subject to extradition? So there are certain crimes that are and are not qualified that qualify for extradition. Can the identity of the fugitive be confirmed? And then do any exceptions apply, such as the uh, Convention Against Torture? There are certain um, laws in place that, for example, if you know someone's going to be tortured, you don't have to send that person back to that country. I also didn't realize you can only file for extradition once. You have to make sure that you get it right. Like you can't file for extradition. The oh, Indian my courts, bad. The Indian courts will be like, no, this doesn't qualify. Go back and do your homework. Here's some and feedback. try again. Try again. You get one shot at this. So I understand why there's probably why a lot of concern when you get it so right. Long. Extraditable offenses are crimes that are punishable in both countries by at least one year of imprisonment. They can include financial crimes involving tax evasion, uh, custom duty evasion, currency exchange offenses, and then also you get your criminal heinous acts. Treaties often exclude the extradition of a national of the requested state. 
one example, and I completely forgot about this. Till I was looking into it is um, disgusting Rowan Polanski. Remember, he was convicted in the U.S. Yeah, and that's why he for fled. raping that 13 year old girl and fled to France before sentencing. And now because he's a French citizen, France has refused to extradite him. Yep. Anyhow, that's your history lesson or your legal lesson. Apologies again to our lawyer friend <laughs> in New Hampshire. We butchered that, but I thought it was interesting. One of our followers, Karen, had sent me a message also saying that she thought it was interesting to learn a little bit about the law as we go through these cases. So that is your Cliff Notes version of extradition. I'm Reach not out a to a lawyer if you want to know. I am not a lawyer. All. Do not use this as a basis for a case. Your Honor, I clearly heard <laughs> on the podcast. That's right. Please don't. On October 21st, 2022, after conducting their own investigation in India, the Australian Attorney General's office confirmed a signed extradition order had been signed by the Indian government. Perfect. This means now that local authorities can get after that ass. This also means that Australian police can go into India. And have jurisdiction. And we're about to get into some dog the bounty hunter shit here in a second. Because this man now has a $1 million reward on his head. So you want to go to India? $1 million. Just last week, the end of October. 14th. A million dollar reward was offered to find and catch him. A record reward for Queensland. And this converts to about 53 million rupees in India. This is a shitload of money. I mean, a million dollars is a shitload of money, period. Yeah. But especially in a country like India that is extremely poverty stricken, right? Like, I mean, I think they're hoping this 53 million, someone's about to turn on this guy. Oh, yeah. For that much money. I'm going to be real with you. There's some people out there that for a million dollars, unless we're tight, a contingency of detectives have now traveled to India where they are holding meetings with local officials. This is a unique environment for us to be operating in. This is, for want of better terminology, an international manhunt, Carnes Detective Inspector Kevin Gohn told 7 News in New Delhi. Asked if authorities would be able to catch Singh, he replied, I think we will. I hold a high level of confidence that we will achieve our objective. That confidence is... Go ahead. No, I was going to say, plus I know there's a lot, of, a lot of people that need some money. Yeah. So give us some tips. You get that money gun out and people are going to start coming and... I mean, Kohl's cash, you know me, for some good Kohl's cash. Oh, yeah. If they offered you $50, Kohl's cash. I might turn someone in that's like maybe a low-end drug dealer. I don't know. He said that there had been information provided to police since the reward was issued, and he believes we will soon increase that information. I'm sure they will. This is also when you get to the point that we've talked about in other cases where people clog the phone lines with their bullshit leads. However, better to report than than not. I say that I don't have to take all the phone calls with the people. Mm-hmm. Well, two years ago when I was getting my glasses fixed, I saw someone that looks like that gentleman. Yeah. Where's my money? Well, that's not going to be enough. Gone also outlined the case is very strong against Singh, saying his actions after Toya's death were out of character. Again, we went through earlier the triangulation of the cell phone data to where his vehicle was. Also, the fact that he bounced randomly all like the way the back next, to India and left his wife and kids behind. Oh, smart. I know. I know. I know so many people that do that for just no random reason at all. He left them without any means of support. Just fucking left. He didn't like at least pin a 20 on the door. Currently, there are bounty hunters in India that are also on his ass. This reminds me of Dog the Bounty Hunter here, mm-hmm. which I make fun of, but it is a thing. 
And it's a good living for some of them. I also people, feel like too. these bounty hunters are probably not as nice. They're not just trying to get their 30 seconds of fame with their blonde mullet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, which rests in peace, Beth, though, from that show. That was yeah. that when she passed away. Indian bounty hunters have revealed they are expecting someone close to Toya's killer to tip them off about his location in the next 30 days for sure. Again, for that amount of money. A bounty hunter speaking from New Delhi said that Queensland police one million reward for information will prove helpful. No fucking shit. And the bid to find him, the man who refused to be named. I'm imagining this interview is like when they do those specials with like drug dealers and they have them in a dark room and you can't, you only see the outline of their face and like their voice. So I was uh, in India and I saw him right there. Seriously. He said that this reward would attract um, what they call a track and trace expert to find uh, what they would attract track and trace experts. Basically we have like some vigilante shit Mm -hmm. that is starting, which as it should, this woman's family, this girl, not even a woman, 24, they deserve closure, which whatever that looks like. And I get there's probably never total closure, but at least justice. Yeah. He did admit that if the reward doesn't work, Singh is not likely to be found for at least another two to three months. So even our incognito bounty hunter thinks that they're going to find homeboy. Oh, it just, yeah. I, I, for sure. I think that that I, amount of I money, think so. Cause somebody's going to give up something. He also, they believe is bound to eventually emerge in public. He needs money. He's going to have to, at some point he's going to have to, right? You can only stay hidden for so long. I'm sure they're tracking his family their whereabouts what they're doing because yeah yeah he left his wife and kids but he had a, his sister and extended family right in india his sister was the one that lived in sydney he oh, visited sydney. her on his way back but he's got to have extended family well in yeah india. his family he did they said That's, fly back to where his family yeah, I, is i forgot about that they his sister he, was in sydney they yeah. said they thought he was hiding in a temple for a while when he first returned to india she could have if he's using identity someone close to him will alert authorities um, once we zero down on the sympathizers, it will be easy to trace. That's a good point, too. Not only do you have the monetary incentive, but if you can get rich and also if you have any sort of empathy and want to help this family, there you go. I mean, you should do that anyways, not oh, yeah. for the money, but you know, everyone's motivated, I guess, by different things. Oh, I will call out that the reward is at the discretion of the government and the police. I'm always curious, like, what are the parameters? Like, how do you decide if someone? Uh, you only it's not that like was only good for eighty percent. I needed the other. Yeah, they you only gave us four numbers, not all six. It's not. Yeah, it's not super cut and dry. So basically, what will happen is if somebody comes forward, it has to clearly end with an arrest. Mm-hmm. And if there's a conviction, there's a lot of tape that that has to. You don't just get a check for a million dollars. They don't show I up at your house. over with, there. Here's your million dollars. They don't like show up with those All big right. checks. Remember they used to do like the clearinghouse? God, like they should. Your house? They should. I love that people tried to actually cash those too. Like when that was a big thing, banks would be like, people would come in with those things. Like <laughs> you can't fucking deposit an eight by 10 check. It's just for show. <laughs> it's just for show. This case, as of this morning, again, people are are trying to track him down. There are photos that will be posted on our Instagram page spread the word i mean we don't i haven't noticed in our statistics we have any followers in india but you never know you never can tell how far your reach can go the bottom line is that he deserves his day in court right mm-hmm. to be found either guilty or innocent per the judicial system and i think he did it and toya's family deserves justice toya deserves justice and that's how i want to end is talking a little bit more about toya Hundreds of people from the region attended Toya's funeral in Carnes the following week after her murder. More than 400 people packing themselves into a 300-seat chapel 
which had been decorated with balloons and sunflowers, which were her favorites. In attendance uh, was her boyfriend, Marco. To be clear, he was cleared as a suspect. I didn't even reference that earlier. I'm sure he was looked into. Because, yeah, usually it's the person that's closest to you they look at first. I'm sure he was looked into, but not even a blip on the radar. In attendance, again, was her boyfriend, Marco, who brought along the same dog that Toya had taken to... I didn't read this part yet. Um, it's been a minute since I did this. Um, who brought, uh, oh my, I'm getting like choked up. Like, it's so sad to me because like, oh, like this girl, oh, she's just a beautiful person in the research I did. But, um, okay, pull it together. That they had, uh, that he had brought, I can't fucking talk now. He had brought Indy, who was the dog that she had taken to Wangetti Beach um, again, they had messages that they shared about her. He expressed his internal love for Toya. Family members spoke out. Um, loved ones spoke out about her life that was so prematurely ended. And I can't agree anymore. Her uncle had said that today is not a day to be angry. Today is not a day to hate. Her life was cut short, but was full of love, which I find extremely mature <laughs> to be able to look at it through that lens. Toya was slightly different to the normal everyday Karn's girl. The way she dressed, the color of her hair. This is true with the picture. She had like the fun different hair colors. Oh, nice. Her style was impeccable. Like she had the cute boho look and <laughs> just just a freaking adorable, awesome. beautiful girl. She was into fairies. She had fairy gardens at the house. She absolutely loved paws and claws um, and the cats and dogs there. She loved her car, loved the freedom it gave her to take her dogs out again with the fucking dogs. Like what a... Like, I already feel for this girl and was attached. And then I saw how much she was an animal lover. I'm like, mother. The day she got her license shot. was a big turning point in her life. It meant a lot to her. She would also dress beautifully for the beach, and she would always have a dog with her. I knew her and her housemate when she was working for me. She was an absolutely loyal employee of Paws and Claws, one of the most beautiful souls. She adored animals. She was on a different level with animals than humans. She had something special with animals. Even the troubled dogs would calm down in her presence. An aggressive dog would come in, and within 20 minutes, she was rolling around on the floor playing with it. <laughs> that is so telling. Animals are such a good judge of character. Mm -hmm. That is so telling to what kind of individual she was. No words could describe how amazing of a person that you were. I can't believe you're gone. I can't believe I'm never going to see your smile again. I can't believe I'm never going to hear your voice again, her mother had shared. I can't believe I'm writing this post. I don't know what to think. I don't know what to say. I'm going to miss you so much. You did not deserve this and you will never be forgotten. So that is the case of Toy Accordingly. Thank you ever so much to our uh, listener friend, The Monocle. Yeah, thank you. This was a very I'd nice case. I've never heard of this case. I'd never heard of it. I love that it is currently an active investigation. And hopefully they get the guy. Anytime we can share any information about any case that still needs closure is something that we love to do and more so love to just pay respect and tribute to this victim and also their family and their loved ones. There's, there's so many victims. It's a halo effect in these exactly. types of crimes. And we want to get the justice and full on closure for the family. That's right. Let's get this gentleman extradited so he can have his day in court, be convicted, <laughs> <laughs> not judging. Again, he's innocent until proven guilty. I just feel like there's quite a bit of evidence and to get the extradition signed and having the government in India have gone through their own 
individual review and mm-hmm. agreed that there, there that was there's a lot there to there's probably a lot hasn't been shared with the public yes. which that's okay it's not always our business quite mm-hmm. frankly last thing please continue to send us suggestions for cases it is so enlightening to see different cases and suggestions it's a lot of i hate to say fun because this is not fun but it's really intriguing to learn more about the cases internationally and get out of our bubble here in the u.s because all cases deserve to be shared and to be socialized well and to like learn about like the different judicial systems from across the world and stuff like that like you you said how like they don't share the autopsies like we do you know so it's kind of i don't kinda... know if that's a rule i just know in this case okay they chose okay not, fair enough which could have been part of the investigation could have been out of respect for the victim and their family maybe it wasn't okay. necessary to have to i don't know but you know in the u.s we put that Usually shit on a sure. billboard yeah, oh yeah. well we had a show on hbo that was just autopsies yeah so, so it's just it's nice it's uh kind of cool to learn about how the different laws and everything structures work in different countries as well and most importantly, in, in these crimes, we try to be very careful about not glorifying the villain and making sure that it's the victim who is is the storyline, right? And who ends up getting the respect and the visibility. We are sending um, love and our positive thoughts to Toya and her family for closure that, that this nightmare can at some point finally be put to rest for them. And also, Toya, while you are not here physically on the earth anymore, I feel like especially you're probably up in heaven playing with all the dogs. They're probably yeah. so excited that you're there. Sorry that your life was cut short because you seem like one of those people that you, you just feel like you knew them just by even reading about them. Yeah. And you, you seem like you were a beautiful soul as always, please uh, continue to send us cases. If you do have a minute and you could leave a review, it just really is very motivating for us and makes us feel good to know that, that people are listening besides just our family. <laughs> and, um, we love your suggestions and your support. This has been fun. We They're have made amazing. it past our first month and you know, we're going to keep going because as long as one of you out there is engaged and, and we're spreading the word, then that's all that matters to us. All right. As always, please remember to treat yourselves and each other with love, kindness, and respect. I am K-Mac. And I am of course the answer. Good night. Good night. Toya Jade Cordingly was born, born. <laughs> motherfucker. Well, there's one. Take Start. a shot. <laughs> I've been on vacation bump. the last week, so I'm, I'm off my game a little here. He's definitely got the sailor mouth All going. All right, let's start over. Out of respect for the victim. Toya Jade Cordingly was born June 14th, 1984 for... Oh, my God. <laughs> God. It's that detoxing. I you can't talk right now. Maybe here you need go. to. Take three. I'm so sorry. This is so disrespectful to the victim.